are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Blazers with five three-point shooters on the floor. They trail by one. Lillard with ball defending. He goes to his left. And one. It's bumped by oh, ball. Yeah. And one. Damian Lillard with a chance to give the Blazers a two-point lead. And welcome. You are locked on to the NBA. My name is Nick Engstead, host of the Lockdown Mavericks podcast. And joining me, as always, on Thursday, the great Ben Golliver of the Washington Post. Ben, what a night in the NBA. No, it was pretty crazy. I mean, you got the Steph Curry-led comeback. You got the Damian Lillard-led uh, you know, fourth-quarter push. You had a crazy uh, turnaround in the Minnesota Timberwolves. They lost another close game. Uh, you know, big wins for, for Philly and, and, and Washington as well. All sorts of different directions uh, that, that we could go with this one. So many games, so many games. So I'm the host of the Lockdown Mavericks podcast, and I wanted to bring up one random thing first before we get into uh, some of the stuff we're going to talk about. And today we're going to talk about what we know, what we know about teams around the league. And today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. So, uh, the Dallas Mavericks were supposed to play the Pistons in a game tonight, and the the Bulls were supposed to play the Hornets, but those games both got postponed. And then the Pistons and Hornets decided to just play, or the Pistons and Bulls played a game tonight. I thought that that was one of the weirdest things I've seen in the NBA, where two separate games get postponed, but then the two teams left standing basically uh, were able to play. The NBA is just so wild this year with all the changes, Ben. Yeah, it's duck, duck, goose. I mean, you saw the biggest, uh, you know, you saw the biggest outbreak that we've seen really since they tightened the protocols with that San Antonio Spurs situation where so many of their players tested positive. It kind of threw off everybody else's schedule. It puts the Hornets into the contact tracing protocols. It shuts the Spurs down for almost the rest of their rodeo trips. So it did require a lot of adjustments. Uh, I think, you know, big picture when you're looking back at the first two months of the season, I think there's been something like 30 postponements. I think if you're the NBA, you're still feeling like that's a reasonable number, you know, given the situation, given how bad the, the, the pandemic was, especially in January. And I think the good news for the NBA, there, you know, two points. One, the national COVID numbers are coming down very quickly, and they have been for the last few weeks, and that's helpful just in general. And I would say number two is that the vaccine issue is going to become more and more real here as we get closer to the playoffs, and, and potentially the players would have access to that. So I feel like there's uh, faint hope flickering in the distance, but we're just not quite there yet. And it did lead to kind of a messy night, like you mentioned. Yeah, there is hope on that front. And the, for the Mavericks, it was because of the terrible storms in Dallas and all, all over in Texas and all the power outages, which was the reason why the game was postponed. And uh, by the way, if you're interested in helping, if you want to help um, people that are, are dealing with all the power outages and you know people are dealing with not having heat for multiple days. Uh, if you want to do that, check out at Lockdown Mavs on Twitter, or you can just listen to our podcast today. And we're talking about ways that we can help, and uh, we're donating to uh, causes in our area, like local uh, organizations, things like that. So if you're interested in that, go follow us at Lockdown Mavs. Uh, all right, let's get to what we're talking about today. So bunch of games. We're going to hit them in, in pieces, the ones that matter at least. I want to talk about what we know since we've already talked about how this season has been so confusing. There's so many – there's there's players that are out here and there. You know, the Clippers play, but Paul George is out. 
the uh, and Mike Conley's out for the Jazz and the Mavericks have been without a bunch of players that we've had to deal with and it's just so it's hard to figure out what is real and what is not. So let's get into the title contenders. Which title contenders have emerged and which ones have fallen off for you? We have to start. I think it's a I think it's a mandate from uh, on high on the Locked On Podcast Network. We have to start with the Jazz. Have the Jazz emerged for you as a real title contender? Absolutely. What more do they have to do? I mean, 24 and five is an absolutely ridiculous record in almost any year, but especially this year where you've got guys coming in out of the lineups constantly. Um, they just play brilliant team basketball. I think most of the, the NBA world and universe has kind of caught on to what they're doing. They have a big time head to head victory against the LA Clippers, 114 to 96. Um, you know, in that game, you see Rudy Gobert go, uh, you know, plus 25. He puts up 23 po- uh, points and 20 rebounds. Uh, you know, in uh, basically 31 minutes. I mean, what a ridiculous night for him. To me, he's a no-brainer all-star from this group. And the point where it gets tricky, who do you pick all-star-wise, Donovan Mitchell versus Mike Conley? I think, you know, most people would probably say, well, Donovan Mitchell is the face of that franchise, a very marketable guy. He's been in a dunk contest. He's been an all-star before. And yet Mike Conley, who didn't play in this game, was sensational before he went out. Um, you know, recently. So uh, you've got some choices or are they so good that they deserve three all-stars? I think that's also a reasonable uh, conversation as well. But, you know, Utah just absolutely keeps rolling. They're as real as it gets in the West. I would say the Clippers are absolutely a real contender for sure. I would say the Lakers remain a real contender. I think they should be very careful with Anthony Davis as they proceed going forward. I think it would be very smart, very prudent for them to just rest him through the all-star break. Don't make him worry about going down to Atlanta. Just chill out for a couple weeks. And in the Eastern Conference, it's a little bit more confusing. I would say, uh, you know, to me, Brooklyn looks like the class of the conference. I would consider them just based on their talent alone and the potency of their offense to be contenders. But I still want to be convinced about Philadelphia. I still want to be convinced about Milwaukee. And I have to uh, look at a team like Boston that came into the season with contender expectations. I view them now not in that conversation and maybe among the biggest disappointments in the entire NBA. And they drop a game against the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, tonight to fall back to 500. So I guess my real quote unquote contenders convo has four teams and two maybes. How about yours? Yeah, I think the the Lakers and Clippers are still up there for me for sure. I think that the you know the Nets have to be in there just with those three guys. The Sixers and and Jazz are such are in such a weird spot for me because on paper you look at them and say man like the Jazz especially in the in this win tonight you see. Uh, just how awesome they could be. Like Bogdanovich scores five points and they still pull off a really big win. He was supposed to be so important for them. They don't have Mike Conley. They still they still get a win. They just have guys that can contribute all over the place. They can win in so many different ways. And that's how they've won, what is it, 20 out of the last 21 or something like that? It's, it's wild. They started the season four and four and now they're, they're 20, like 24 and five or something crazy. And so – they they can do that. The Sixers also have shown that they can win in multiple ways, and uh, you know they have Joel Embiid, who's an MVP candidate. I just don't know about both those teams when it comes down to it. Who are you trusting? And I've compared the the Utah Jazz to like the 2011 like Mavs team a little bit because they have a bunch of guys. They have some veterans. They have Gobert, who's like the defensive version of Dirk. But if you have the defensive version of Dirk as your best player, can you trust them? like late in the playoffs, you know, you kind of like, I don't know if I'm just being, you know, if I'm just uh, falling to that old trap of, well, your best player has to be an offensive player. Uh, but I don't know if I can trust the other guys. 
Well, here's the thing. This game against the Clippers tonight, we can't really call that like a championship litmus test. I mean, you look at the Clippers, they don't have Paul George. Um, they don't have Kawhi Leonard. They don't have Nicholas Batum, right? So, I mean, they should, you know, Utah should win that game. They should win it handily as they did. And I think, unfortunately for the Jazz, their big weakness is going to be the perimeter playmakers, right? Do they have guys who can go head to head when necessary against a Kawhi or against a LeBron, Paul George? whoever else they might face on the run to a title. And that is sort of the, you know, the weakness and their argument's going to be, we don't need to have one or two guys who can step up in big moments. As long as we stick to our system and we have five guys who are always scoring threats, we can get it done. It's a similar model to the 2014 Spurs, uh, probably a similar model to the Pistons team that upset the Lakers uh, in 2004. They're rock solid everywhere. Their entire rotation is veterans. They're all trustworthy. And they're incredibly consistent. I think those things are going to matter in this kind of a weird season. And, uh, you know, one underrated aspect of that Lakers title last year in the bubble, everybody knows about their talent. Everybody knows about their chemistry. They also had incredible availability. And that really helped them play consistent basketball during the playoffs. They had seven guys play in every single uh, bubble playoff game the Lakers did. And they could have had even more than that. But guys like JaVale McGee, and Dwight Howard were kind of sat here and there for um, strategic reasons. So when you have that level of you know consistency, consistency and continuity, your talent's going to look even better than it does. And I think that's what Utah wants to be uh, able to do as they get closer to these playoffs. If you can keep everybody on the court, they're going to play at a really high level because we know they fit well together. Uh, if they're going to be missing a key piece here or there once it comes to playoff time, I think they're going to feel it more than most teams because they don't have those superstar leaders to kind of jump on their backs, you know. LeBron can carry you through some, uh, you know, some turbulence and some turmoil. You know, is Donovan Mitchell going to be that guy? I think that's an open question. Yeah, the Jazz might be able to just do it by committee, right? Like, they have so many guys. Like, in this game, Mitchell has 24. Gobert has 23. Clarkson off the bench has 18. We've seen Clarkson go off for 40 before. Bogdanovich only has five points. We know he can go off for 30, you know, on a given night. Ingles, Conley, like, any of these guys can kind of carry them. So, maybe they just carry each other, right? Like, if somebody's not playing, then somebody else can step up. Uh, so, it's, it's just fascinating, this team. It's going to be – one of those interesting tests to see if the stars or, you know, the, the team aspect, if, you know, you can, you can win that way. Uh, like a Clippers jazz would be really interesting. It's kind of like the, it's, or go back to that 2011 Mavs, like the team concept versus those stars in Miami. So it'd be interesting to see if that can work. Cause we haven't seen that work in a, in a while since the warriors and Cavs have been dominating the finals uh, coming up. We're going to get into some more players. We're going to get into what do we know about some of these players? Who's emerging? Who is a player that maybe has fallen off? We're going to talk about Embiid. We'll talk about guys like Jeremy Grant, Zion, but we have to. We have to talk about Damian Lillard because he went off again in another game. He just he is carrying this Blazers team without CJ McCollum, without Nurkic, and he is my Michelob Ultra player of the week. He's the player that gives me the most joy right now in the NBA outside of Luka Doncic. But, you know, I have to talk about all NBA. It's the lockdown NBA. Uh, but Damian Lillard, again, goes off 43 points, 16 assists in the game against the Pelicans. He's just so clutch. He's taken that team to another level. Uh, Michelob Ultra, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. 2.6 carbs, 95 calories, like you said. And, uh, the question is, are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? And for Damian Lillard, he just seems to be even keel no matter what, which is what I think gives him that edge in crunch time. So it's a fascinating team to watch. Go listen to uh, Mike Richmond, Locked On Blazers, always has good stuff on the, the Portland Trail Blazers. 
Uh, joy creates success. The Blazers are enjoying it. There's a really great interview with Cantor uh, after the last game, not the Pelicans game, but the one before that, about how Damian Lillard can just get it done in crunch time. And he just has such has so, like such a, a feeling of joy on his face. He said, I've played with a lot of great players, but it's just incredible to watch what Dame's doing right now. So Damian Lillard, Michelobaltra, player of the week. We're covering everything you need to know about the NBA, but what about the rest of sports now? The Lockdown Podcast Network has you covered. The great Peter Bukowski hosts the Lockdown Today podcast. It's all the sports news that you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Lockdown Today podcast wherever you get your pods. All right, Ben Goliver, let's focus our attention now on some players. So what do, we're focusing on what we know because the season has been so crazy we want to figure out what we know what things have changed because it's 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 hard when a season is so crazy and jumbled like it is this year it's it's easy to just lean back on the takes of last year right but this is what we're doing we're we're, we're turning out new takes about the about players this year and seeing what's new and what's a new developing story Damian Lillard let's let's stick with him he's our Michael Balsher player of the week he, he is like this next level clutch player. He is carrying this team in a way that I don't know we've seen a, a single player carry a team in a while. Um, has he hit another level to you or is this just normal Dame time and the Blazers have kind of hit an easy part of their schedule? Well, I was going to say, I mean, look, it, he's done this before. That's kind of the crazy part. Like there's been other moments you go back to the bubble. He's carrying them through injuries. You go back to last year's regular season. They had a big, strong push down the second half. Damian Lillard's carrying them there. He's done this multiple times. He's kind of built for it. He has the exact right game for it. And this year, it's been nothing but shootouts around the league. You know, scoring is at a, a crazy highs. You know, it feels like almost on a night-to-night basis. I mean, for example, they play New Orleans tonight, 126-124. Everybody's getting off in that game. You know, Damian has 43. Zion has 36 for New Orleans. And kind of the list goes on from there. Um, he's so clutch. And that's really what's come through time and time again here recently. I think that's why guys like Enos Kanter are smiling like you're describing because <laughs> when a guy just keeps hitting big shots and you get to have that euphoric moment at the end of the games, of course you're going to be a, a happy camper. In terms of what we know, I would say this. You mentioned how Damian Lillard and Luka Doncic bring you a lot of joy. I think we've learned that Damian Lillard needs to take Luka Doncic's spot in the starting lineup for the Western Conference. I think it's got to be Damian Lillard, and I think it's got to be Steph Curry in that Western Conference uh, starting group. I would have Luka as my sixth man, you know, coming off the bench for the Western Conference. And I think we've also learned Zion Williamson deserves an all-star spot. Now, if you go back a month and you ask me, is he playing like an all-star? I would say no. I mean, I just didn't think the overall offensive impact was there. Their record wasn't that great. It's still not that great. After this loss, they dropped to 12 and 16. But he is getting it done going to the basket. He's setting up his teammates a little bit more as a playmaker. And he's just ultra, ultra efficient around the basket area in the paint um, against Portland. I think he's 12 for 18 from the field. I mean, that's kind of a bad night, quote unquote, for him, you know, from an efficiency <laughs> standpoint. And oh, he added six rebounds. <laughs> I know. And he, he uh, six rebounds, four assists, two steals. He's just stuff in the stat sheet. So for me, I feel like when New Orleans is their best, it's because Zion is just dominating his matchup. Um, and so if I had to pick between him and say like Brandon Ingram, who made it last year, I think I would go Zion this year. And if you asked me again, like a month ago, I'm not sure I would have been ready to crown him quite yet. Yeah, for for Damian Lillard, right? Like a, a month ago, the Blazers were like nine and eight. They were just kind of teetering right above five hundred, and now they're eighteen and ten. It's it's crazy what a month can do, basically, 
to uh, change the prospects of the team. Like the Mavericks and the Blazers didn't have that different of a record. And now it's just completely different. The Mavericks are still under 500. The Blazers are eight games over 500. And so I think it probably has changed. I don't know if I could say that on Lockdown Mavs, but I think on Lockdown NBA I can say that and I won't get completely stoned <laughs> for it. Um, yeah, Damian Lillard well, has has really taken that next level and, and Steph deserves I, to be there. I think it's just one thing that it's, it's kind of the next step for Luca, right? I mean, everyone's getting down on him about some body language issues and maybe, you know, sometimes he's going after the officials and stuff like that, but you know, he, he just shows his age in those situations to me, right? Like there's a big difference between Damian Lillard smack dab in the middle of his prime, having five years of led really, really good teams versus Luca, who's still very early in his career trying to figure it out. Right. And uh, there's plenty of time for Luca to start on a lot of all-star games. And he, he may start this year, depending on the fan vote, we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but uh, you can't go wrong either way with those guys. I just, I would give the no check mark to Dame based on his impact on Portland's team success. Yeah, I think a thing that we know if we're gonna stick to the to the topic is Damian Lillard's like next level MVP type player. Like he's he should get votes if if not maybe your number one vote right now just based on how Portland is playing. Zion Williamson is playing next level, like he said, he should be uh, all star or at least close to that. He's had nights where he just goes off and and has like seven assists, and you're like, oh dang, this dude can do other stuff too. He's not just this finisher around the rim. And he also is just a finisher around the rim. It can do everything around the rim. It's wild to see him play. He's just a different kind of player that is so fun to watch. I find myself, you know, various nights just like sticking on Pelicans games. I try to jump around and then just Pelicans game is playing and I just sit, sit and watch him, you know, <laughs> man, it's wild the things that he can do. But if we're moving on to Luka Doncic and uh, I'm, I'm glad to do that. It's crazy to see Luka and I've talked about him every day for the last three years almost. He just gets compared to Harden and Lillard and Curry, and he, all those guys are a decade older than him in the league. And it's it's wild to, to, for him to be this good this fast to get compared to all those guys because there's still a lot of, of career in front of him, and there's still a lot of time for him to get to these levels. But And so I think we have to pump the brakes a little bit with Luka and just appreciate what we're seeing instead of trying to put those expectations on him so quick. But there's one stat I want to bring to you. First eight games for Luka this season – 22.8% from three-point range. And at one point, he was shooting like 9% from three, and people were really uh, concerned about it. Last 19 games for Luka, 38% from three. Ben Golliver, is an N- is the NBA ready for Luka shooting 40% from three? Now, did I see a tweet saying he's the greatest player, offensive player of all time if he can hit the three-pointer? Was, uh, was that from somebody down there in Dallas? I, I think I might have seen that one. I'm, I'm sure. not sure he's a 30 I'm not sure he's a 39% three-point shooter like for an entire season because I think his shot selection kind of wavers from time to time but he's an incredible shot maker. I definitely wasn't getting down too much on him early in the season when he's I think taking a lot of bailout shots when a lot of his teammates were out of the lineup and I I personally have no problem with him having the ball in his hands late in games if he wants to take a step back three I feel pretty comfortable with that. But to me it's not just about that. I mean he does so much going to the basket. I uh, get so many points in the paint. He's got such great soft touch, you know, when he does the pull-up jumpers. He might go off glass every once in a while. And then just spectacular passing ability. I don't know anyone else around his age who's kind of even in the same conversation. You know, people want to say, oh, he had a slow start. Well, I mean, compare it to Boston's start, you know, with Jason Tatum. And, I mean, I, I think that anyone else who's in his age class is still trailing quite a bit behind Luka, not only from a stat standpoint, but just from an overall impact and polish standpoint as well. 
think right now he's averaging 29, nine and nine. I mean, come on, that's absolutely <laughs> insane for a 22 year old. And, uh, you know, I, I understand the, the desire to nitpick the efficiency, but I would also just say like, he needs to have more shooters around him. His shooting percentage is going to go up when he's got those shooters on the court healthy and they're in a good rhythm. So I, you know, personally, I haven't written Dallas off um, out of the playoff conversation. Now for sure we can say, Hey, you know, their best case scenario of trying to crack in as a dark horse contender, you know, coming into the season, I think that talk is pretty much out the window. You know, I, I think the top three in the West has run away from the pack, but I don't see why Dallas couldn't make the playoffs and, and give somebody an interesting first round series. I could just hear you monologue about Luka Doncic all day, Ben. So you could just keep going if you want to. A couple more players <laughs> I want to get to before we move on is uh, two players that matched up today, Jeremy Grant and Zach Levine. Jeremy Grant, 43 points in this uh, real close clutch loss against the, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, is Jeremy Grant like an all-star level player or is he just Harrison Barnes? I'm not sure about Harrison Barnes, but I, I wouldn't have him on my all-star team. I, I tend to value winning a lot. I think you have to be very careful with the context of stats. And I think he's putting up a lot of numbers in a really tough situation there in Detroit. You're seeing the kind of moves they're making already going away from a Blake Griffin and, and going with a little bit more of a youth movement. I think there was a lot of like reasonable second guessing about what was Jeremy Grant doing with free agency. And I think he's, he's proved those doubters wrong. Now, whether you can build a good offense around him, you know, that's to be determined. Whether he can carry a winner, that's absolutely to be determined. So that's why I really wouldn't go for him as a as an all-star quite yet. And by the same thing with Zach Levine. I mean, I think he gets so much attention for his scoring number and his improved just feel in the half-court offense, but his defense is still really damaging. I think there's a reason why Chicago is still under 500, and, and he's part of that. Now, granted, their big men aren't doing him any favors for sure, but I would actually leave both those guys as snubs this year. Yeah, Jeremy Grant, I say, is he playing like at an all-star level? I don't know if I would – I wouldn't put him at an all-star either, but he just has nights where he looks like, you know, he's this next-level player. Like, man, he's really taking a step forward. He could be the centerpiece of an offense. But it does remind me of, like, 2018, 2017 Harrison Barnes on the Mavericks, and it's kind of funny because he has Dennis Smith Jr. on his team now too, which is – it's a very similar team to what they had in, in Dallas when they were rebuilding uh, in the twilight years of Dirk. So he, he kind of reminds me of that. And then Zach Levine, yeah, he's just – he's taking it to another level. If you listen to Lockdown Bulls, Jordan and Matt, they are all on the Zach Levine is an all-star and should be and uh, should be you know an all-star. 37-5-5 five five in this game. Comeback win against the, the, the Pistons. They were down by – double digits at one point and came back all the way to get the win. So great win for them. We know a couple of things about those players uh, coming up. Let's get into some teams. There's some confusing teams out there uh, like the heat and the warriors, two teams that played an incredible game last night. So we want to talk about them, figure out what are they? What are these teams right now? Should they be buyers? Should they be sellers? Are they a playoff team? All that. We'll talk with Ben about those teams coming up. BetOnline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but our beloved NBA, plus college basketball, plus the NHL, and so much more are in full swing. BetOnline even covers award shows, TV shows, reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place to make your bets, and it's free and easy to sign up right now. Go to BetOnline.ag, use the promo code LOCKDOWN, you get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. There's all kinds of stuff you can bet on. I'm going to look right now. They have a couple of NBA futures right now and a couple of special couple of specials I'm seeing right now Andre Drummond next team if traded Raptors 
plus 225, Mavericks plus 350, Celtics plus 450, two teams at plus 600, the Hornets and the Knicks, and there's a couple other teams there. The Nets plus 700, which it would be wild if the if the Brooklyn Nets could pull off a drum and trade. I just don't see how that would even be possible with their contracts. But if you want to put some action on that, betonline.ag has it for you. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN and get a 50% welcome bonus to your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Also brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models of cars, it's impossible to stock every single part you need in a traditional store. It's just not possible, but rockauto.com has them for you. You can access every single part for your car or truck. Just go to their website. On the left-hand side, it shows all the different kinds of makes of cars. You go through it, pick the exact specification of your car, and it shows you all the parts available. Some stuff you didn't even know that they would have. And easy stuff, if you want to get... It's sent to you, sent to you, and you know that you're like, ah, I kind of need some wipers, but I don't know which wipers fit with my car. I don't want to have to go check. RockAuto.com has that for you. They have wipers, they have carpet, they have all kinds of stuff for you. RockAuto.com. They are uh, a family-operated store that's been selling parts to customers online for 20 years. They have a catalog that's remarkably easy to navigate. Like I said. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you want to spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So go to rockauto.com, write Locked On in there. How did you hear about us box? They know that we sent you. Again, if you get something, see something you like, write Locked On in there. How did you hear about us box? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. When you need fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source. Most people trust Josh Lloyd, host of Fantasy Basketball. More people trust him than any other fantasy basketball podcast on the planet. He's still like top 50 on the Apple podcast charge, which is which is wild. Subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Ben, let's talk about some teams out there. What are the Miami Heat? Because they... they just absolutely collapse against the Warriors last night and lose in overtime. And they were in the finals last year, and now I have no idea what this team is. Yeah, they fall to 11-17 and 17 with that loss, 121-12 in overtime. They had a chance to win it at the end of regulation, couldn't get it done. And like you said, just collapsed in overtime. Golden State knew exactly what they wanted to do late. Steph Curry took over and got multiple really good looks at three-pointers. I think those looks were set up by his earlier unselfishness, you know, drawing two defenders and and kicking, you know, that kind of kept Miami's defense honest late and he was able to make them pay. So I think for Miami that you got to give them a wide berth. They've had an awful lot of guys out due to various, uh, you know, COVID protocols. Jimmy Butler has missed a lot of time and they're just not the same team without Jimmy Butler out there. I think they're still going to be in the playoff mix for sure. It's been kind of a slow ramp up for them. I would have Bam Adebayo. Um, as an all-star this year, I mean, he's put up incredible numbers. He's a great all-around player. I think he's been a real bright spot for them, uh, despite all the uh, you know the difficulties here. But this is not how they envision their Eastern Conference title defense, you know, going. And I kind of thought they would come back to earth a little bit. I think the bubble surroundings really favored them in terms of, you know, they're just a grinded-out team. They you know, they were not intimidated by you know living at Disney World for as long as they did. But I didn't think they'd come back to earth this far. Yeah, there was a there was an old poll that was was trending today. Uh, who would you rather have, Tyler Hero or the number one pick in the draft? And uh, I don't know if that take is <laughs> I don't know if that take is is going in the right direction. But the bubble did benefit guys like Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and guys that were shooters, right? I mean, we've even seen Jamal Murray fall off a little bit because of 
the bubble was so good for sh- for shooters and guys that just make make shots. And so the, the Miami Heat, like, there's too much talent on this team for me to think that they're not going to right the ship at some point. They've been so different with Jimmy Butler. Since he's come back, they've had some wins. And then they just they, – like, this three-game losing streak was to Utah, the Clippers. The Clippers one was 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 tough because they were missing a bunch of guys. But And then this one to Golden State. So maybe they need, like, a come-to-Jesus moment, and maybe they need, like, a, a players-only meeting or something like that. But I have to think that they're going to right the ship at some point after all these guys have been out and – you know, they've been playing rookies at really important minutes and things like that. So I don't yeah, know. Don't forget, they, Nick. They, I mean, they came on really strong last year, too. You know, it was kind of a tale of two seasons for them. They started real slow and yeah, they, they yeah. turned it on. It's all about having Jimmy Butler out there. He's put up a bunch of triple doubles recently. Um, their offense really works a lot better when he's the head of the snake and, and he's getting a lot of touches and a lot of scoring opportunities. So I would just continue to preach patience uh, with the Miami Heat, even though they continue to test everybody's patience with a late game collapse like that. Off the top of my head, I can't remember which year this was, but didn't the Miami Heat have an incredible second half of the season a couple years ago too? It just seems like Eric Spolster's teams kind of do that, where they just like all of a sudden put it together and then just like second half of the season, they're a different team. Yeah, they figure it out. And he's a great coach and a, and a great adjustment maker as well. You know, on the other side of this game with Golden State, you know, they're they're kind of a confusing team as well. One night, they'll look incredible. You know, one quarter, one overtime in this game, they look incredible. Earlier in the game, they look very, very mortal. I mean, to me, you just kind of chalk it up to, you know, the Steph Curry show. This is what it's going to be. When he's on, when he can exploit uh, matchups, when he's hitting those deep threes and nobody can guard him, they look awesome. And other nights, you know, they're, they're going to look uh, beatable. They're almost exactly where I thought they would be. Maybe a little bit ahead in terms of the standings. I had them just above 500 right now. They're at 16 and 13. But they're getting some really inspired play from Andrew Wiggins. You know, one number that jumps off the box score, plus 25 in this game for a player who hasn't always been, you know, a great plus-minus guy. He settled into a really nice role and found ways to help Steph Steph Curry kind of keep this thing going for Golden State. Yeah, if you hear any of the mic'd up segments of Draymond Green, it's just wild to, to hear what a guy like that can do for a Wiggins, for an Oubre, and even for Steph Curry too, like the way he sets him up and not even just encouragement and you know talking him through. Steph doesn't need to be told where to go like those guys do, but to be able to, you know, help Steph and to to do the dribble handoff stuff, to do the you know, the pick and pop type stuff where uh, Curry comes off ball. There's just all kinds of stuff that, that Draymond unlocks for this team that, uh, you know, you don't see on a box score or anything like that. So they go as, as Curry goes, like you say, but Draymond seems to be the, like the, the engine almost that you don't see, but if you pop the hood, you're like, Oh dang, Draymond really is doing all this stuff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, his stat lines this year are so weird. You want to talk about confusing. I mean, <laughs> he'll, he'll have two points, 12 rebounds, nine assists, you know, three blocks. And you'll just be like, I don't think I've ever seen a guy consistently put up numbers like this, but his impact is huge. Their defense has actually been way better than I expected. If you want to go back to kind of surprises or, or kind of confusing teams, I expected they were going to be really rough on that end. They opened the season without Draymond and give up these huge scoring totals to Brooklyn and Milwaukee. I was like, oh boy, this is going to be a long year. And yet when Draymond's on the court, he's organizing them. They're stepping up their defensive intensity. They're playing really well as a team, and and they've put up good defensive efficiency numbers. What makes this win you know, over Miami even more perplexing from Miami's side? Draymond's not even out there, and Golden State still gets it done. Yeah, wild. Uh, Let's move on to the last couple teams here. The Boston Celtics. We touched on them a little bit earlier, but they're kind of a confusing team to me too. Is this just guys injured and guys being out and they're missing guys but or is this team you know is this team really falling off from last year or are they just missing Gordon Hayward 
Uh, well, I think they're really missing Marcus Smart lately. I mean, ever since he went down with that calf strain, they have just really, really struggled to play consistently. I think the, the Hayward thing is absolutely an issue, especially because, uh, you know, Kemba hasn't been up to his capabilities so far this season. So they just don't have enough places to turn. It's just too much on Tatum's shoulders and Jalen Brown's shoulders. I mean, those two guys tonight combined for 57 points and 13 assists. You'd think that would be enough to win, right? But they drop 122 to 114 against a Hawks team that's not very good. And so I think they're just kind of struggling for different sources of offense. They haven't found great lineup continuity when, uh, you know, Smart has been out, especially with Kemba just kind of being up and down from night to night. Um, And, you know, they're relying really heavily on a rookie like Peyton Pritchard, uh, who was a really nice find for them kind of later in the draft. But, you know, when you're relying on rookies who, you know, most people haven't heard of, you know, four-year guys coming out of college, you know, that puts you in a different class of team. You know, you're probably not a top-shelf contender. I actually thought coming out of the bubble, they had a real shot to win the East if they had kept Hayward and, and kept this thing together and maybe make one or two targeted additions in free agency. And they just kind of struck out. They bring in Tristan Thompson. He hasn't been great. Uh, they're not getting hardly anything from their young guys off the bench. It's been a very, very disappointing season all around for Boston Celtics. Yeah, the Celtics were, were a shallow team last year, right, with Hayward. And then they lose Hayward and get Tristan Thompson back for him, I guess. So that adds one player to their rotation. But when you're without Marcus – like in this game against the Hawks, they were without Marcus Smart, Tice, and Kemba Walker, right? Like if you're a shallow team already, you're missing three guys like that, all of a sudden your bench – is Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Naismith, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, and then Jeff Teague. Like that's four young guys that aren't really that probably wouldn't be in a playoff rotation. Uh, and then and then Jeff Teague, <laughs> which I don't yeah, know. that's that's the problem is you know Teague, you know they needed something from him and he hasn't given them anything and they needed even more than they probably expected because Kemba has just been you know he was late arriving because of the injury and then he just has to sit a lot of nights getting back to backs and all that stuff. They really needed Jeff Teague to be a player for them and he just isn't a player anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. All right, Ben, that is, uh, that's what we know. I'm sure there's other things that we know, but we can uh, continue and do this later, but, uh, you can find Ben at the Washington post and subscribe uh, to his newsletter and all kinds of stuff. You can follow him on Twitter. I'm sure all of you do. You can follow me at Nick Van exit on Twitter. You can also listen to the lockdown Mavericks podcast and guys, thanks so much for listening to lockdown NBA.